You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. If you came to church this morning because you wanted some social interaction, you will leave here with success. If you came here just to tick a religious box, you've done that already. But I'm wondering if you came here to learn more about the Savior. I'm wondering if you came here, as I did, to a church service when I was 13 years old, knowing that I wasn't saved, knowing I was on my way to hell, and wanting to do something about that. Struggling for years, not knowing for sure where I was going to spend eternity and looking for some type of peace. I hope, if you felt the same way that I did when I was 13, that unrest, that fear, I hope that you're here today for more than just social interaction. I hope that you're here for more than just a check of a religious box. I hope that you are here to make a decision about your soul. And whether you are ready to make that decision or not, you will be confronted with it. So I ask that you would prepare your minds even now for that. Maybe for some of you, this will just be a trip down memory lane, back to the time where you did make this decision, and that's fine. For those who have trusted in Jesus as their Savior, there is no sweeter story that we can remember than his. I want you to pack your suitcase because we're taking a trip today. We're traveling to the east, which is that way for you ladies. We're traveling across the Atlantic, through the deserts of North Africa, and over the Mediterranean Sea. But we're not only traveling across land and sea, we are also traveling across time. We're going to travel back past the Y2K crisis and the 70s, past World War II and the Great Depression past the Reformation and the Dark Ages, all the way back to 33 AD in the city of Jerusalem. You are welcome to close your eyes at this point, not to fall asleep, as some of you already are. (laughs) you got to give me a chance, right? If you're falling asleep an hour and a half in, then that's my fault. Uh, If you're falling asleep half a minute in, that's your fault. you got to give me at least a chance here. But I invite you to close your eyes. I feel that my imagination can engage just a little bit better if I do that. Now, I'm not going to close my eyes because I don't trust you. (laughs) We're in Jerusalem. However you picture it in your mind, we're outside. It's around 8 in the morning. Can you picture the sun barely peeking over the buildings that surround the streets? Maybe you're envisioning the streets empty right now. Well, you can't do that. Fill them with hundreds of thousands of people. Because it's Passover week. We cannot walk two feet without bumping into somebody. Now let's get our ears involved. 
It's so loud at points that our faces wince and our shoulders scrunch at how loud it can be. Now let's get our nose involved. We smell smoke. We smell fire. To add something to our eyes, you can picture smoke sending a mist over the street that you are viewing because the sacrifices at the temple are in full swing. But then above the constant noise of the crowd, shouts of men and cries of women start to stand alone. And one by one, the people begin to look in a direction of a commotion that is taking place not far from where we stand. And the people start splitting to either side of the street at the cry of Roman soldiers on horseback calling for us to make way. And it's then that we see a horrible sight and maybe one that you've thought of before in your imagination. It's, it's a man, but a man so beaten and bloody we can't even recognize. And it's hard for us to believe that he's alive. What looks to be a bundle of thorns is laid above his head and a robe of purple that's heavy and soaked with blood is laid across his back and leaving a trail of blood like a painter's brush behind him on the street. On his shoulders a cross that must weigh at least 150 pounds. Let's get our ears involved again. We slowly start putting together what is taking place because we start hearing words here and there throughout the street, words like Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God, Messiah, Christ, miracles, bread, king, liar, deceiver, sorcerer, magician, devil. We follow this Jesus outside the city walls, down a winding path, up the side of a hill called Calvary. Now it's here where you can open your eyes because we're going to turn to the Bible and we're going to let three men named Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the rest of the story. Men, you are going to turn to Matthew chapter 27. Ladies, you are going to turn to Mark chapter 15. Once we are done reading there, we will all turn to a passage in Luke. Men, Matthew chapter 27. Ladies, Mark chapter 15. Let's put our cell phones on silent. Make sure that we are not speaking, not talking during the preaching and not moving around if at all possible. And let's stand for the reading of God's word. Gentlemen, I'm going to read along with you verse 35 to 45. Now, I'll give you a little bit of a hint here. There are many things that we are going to read in common in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So I want you to follow along. Ladies, while they are reading, I want you to listen. And gentlemen, when you are reading, I want you to follow because there are two pieces of common information in the passages that we are going to read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that I want to bring out to you. So I want you to read with a purpose to try to see if you can find what those two common pieces of information are before I reveal them to you. Gentlemen, are we there? 
Matthew 27, verse 35 through 45. Ready? Begin. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him, with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. Gentlemen, focus in. Do not get distracted as the ladies read their portion. Ladies, I'm going to read with you. We are in Mark chapter 15, and we are going to start in verse 25. We're going to read through verse 33. Try to find these two common pieces of information. Mark chapter 15, verse 25. Ready, begin, ladies. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucify two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe, and they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. I cannot help but stop here at verse 32 and point something out very wrong that these people said. And in fact, it's one of the main parts of my message. So let's just go ahead and get it down right now. As these people are saying, come down and save thyself. They say this, that we may see and believe. Wrong order. Wrong order. If you are looking at Jesus and saying, let me see and then I will believe, he looks back and says, believe and then you will see. You will never see Jesus Christ as the Son of God until you believe. If you are waiting until you see, you will never believe. Let's all go to Luke chapter 23. I know that some of you already have an idea in your mind of what those two common pieces of information are. This passage might throw a wrench in that because we had a couple things mentioned in Matthew and Mark that are not going to be mentioned here. Luke chapter 23. 
You don't have to read with me. I just want you to follow along. We're going to start in verse 33. I'll get you seated, 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 satted, satted real quick. Okay, hang on. Verse 33, and when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Lord, bless the preaching of your word and move as only your Holy Spirit can. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing for so long. You may be seated. All right, throughout these three accounts, we have two common pieces of information that I want to draw your attention to. You may have found something other than this. You're not wrong. I just wanted to make sure that you paid attention as we were reading. The first piece of information that all three of these gospel writers draw our attention to is that there were three people crucified that day. Jesus' cross was not the only one that pierced the horizon of Calvary that day. There were three crosses. The outer crosses belong to thieves. The middle cross, the second cross, belonged to Jesus. Even the gospel that we didn't read, the gospel of John, makes mention that there were three men crucified on that day. Now, God does not speak randomly. The Bible does not contain filler words or useless pieces of information. There are stories that three of the Gospels tell that a fourth will not. There are words of Jesus that two of the Gospels will tell, but another two will not. And yet, all four of the Gospel writers were moved by the Holy Spirit when they were telling this story to make sure that we knew there were three crosses that day. Now, I have just got to come to the conclusion that God is drawing our attention to that and that there are lessons that we can learn from each of those three crosses. I would not be surprised if we could find at least a dozen lessons that we can learn wholly based on the fact that there were three crosses at Calvary that day and not only one. And you know what? I am eternally grateful that there was at least one cross at Calvary that day. But I am also very grateful that there were three and not only one. Because when you observe all three of these crosses together, we find ourselves in this story. And I want to bring that forward to you. But before I continue, I told you there were two pieces of information. And so far, I've only rambled, rambled on about one. So 
The second piece of common information that all three of these Gospels gave was the time. Mark's Gospel tells us these men were crucified at the third hour. That's 9 a.m. Jewish day started at 6. Third hour of the day, 9 a.m. But then also, did you notice... All three of them were sure to relay that darkness came over the land at the sixth hour to the ninth hour. What is the sixth hour? If the third hour is 9 a.m., what is the sixth hour, Gavin? Sorry to wake you up. No, he wasn't. He was. What's the sixth hour? Six plus six. What's six plus six? Twelve. Congratulations. Yes, absolutely. Noon. Noon. Okay? Something important happened at Calvary at the sixth hour. More specifically, it was the sixth hour when something important took place in the hearts of all three of those men. More specifically, it was at the sixth hour at Calvary when each of those men made a decision. More specifically, it was at the sixth hour when each of those men made a decision that altered their eternities. And what I hope to show you is that even though we are so far removed from distance uh, or by distance and by time, each and every one of you will have a sixth hour in your life. And when that sixth hour comes to your soul, you must make a decision. And it is a decision that will alter your eternity. There is no more crucial decision that you will ever make than your sixth hour decision. And how ironic that here we sit, coming up on the sixth hour. Now, if you think I'm going to be done by the sixth hour, you can put that joy away. I'll try. I'll try. About 2,000 years ago, at Calvary, at this time of the day, those three men hung on their crosses. They had been hanging there now for two hours and 39 minutes. Crucifixion was a slow and torturous and cruel death. A hole would be dug in the ground about a cubit deep. And the cross would be laid on the ground right next to that hole. The condemned would be laid on top of that cross, stripped naked and laid on top of that cross. A Roman soldier would stack their feet one on, a, one on another and press them down so that their knees came up. Press them down and while holding them down, a nail, a thick and sharp and rugged nail would be placed in between their bones and nailed through their skin. With each blow of the hammer, that nail, the, the thickness of the nail would grow and scrape and tear through their flesh and through their nerves. You don't have many more nerve endings than you do in your hands and in your feet. Can you imagine their bodies screaming to be let free? And it's then the Roman soldiers come and stretch their arms out, place the back of their hands flat. Remember, they're laying flat. 
place their hands flat against the crossbar section of the cross, and more nails would be driven into their hands to fasten them in place. The cross would be lifted, and they would let gravity do the work. The whole weight of that cross would fall 18 inches down into the ground. And at that point, arms would be yanked out of socket. And then the true torture began. As gravity pulled down on the bodies of those three men, the rib cage would press up against the lungs. And the only way you could get a breath was to push with your feet against the nail and lift with your dislocated arms up to take a breath only to fall right back down. They said there were cases of times where crucifixions would only last 30 seconds because the man would convulse until he would go into shock and die. But for this one, it's been two hours and 41 minutes. To be crucified was to drown, a historian said, not underwater, but under the weight of your own body. Eleven forty-two. We're coming up on the sixth hour, and they hang on those three crosses. All three condemned to die. The first man and the third man were guilty of theft. The man in the middle was innocent. He was tried in the courts. The Jews threw a lot of charges at him. One of them was that he claimed to be the son of God. Another one was that he spoke against the temple. Another one was that he was a friend of sinners. They couldn't get their witnesses to agree. The Roman courts found no fault in him. It was only to please the Jews and fulfill prophecy and please the Father that Jesus was crucified. But even though Jesus hung there innocent, he remained kind to the end. The first words that Jesus spoke when the cross came up was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What a contrast to the two men who hang beside him. While Jesus is dying with kindness on his lips, those two men were angry. I think it was Matthew, no, it was Mark, said they reviled him. To revile means to criticize with hate, to insult with anger. Matthew said they cast the same in his teeth. Notice this, they cast the same. What we get from that is there were other people there. There were other people there at Calvary who were spewing this hate and blasphemy. And the thieves picked up, joined in, and cast the same anger and the same blasphemy at Jesus like punches to his face. They cast the same in his teeth. Three of the Gospels tell us what those criticisms were. If thou be the Son of God, come down. If thou be Christ the King, come down. He trusted in God. Let God deliver him now if he will have him. 
He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe. And in their hate and in their anger and in their pain, both of those men, it's very important for you to get this, both of those men picked up on those words and threw them at Jesus in the same manner. Two hours, 45 minutes now. Sixth hour is approaching. It's time to make a decision. So come with me to all three of the crosses and let's see what the decisions are. First is first, the one on the left. Tell me, sir, give me your attention for a little bit. Give us your attention for a little bit. You are condemned to die. You are guilty of theft. The countdown to your death has begun. Within a few hours, you will breathe your last breath. And yet, the man who hangs right next to you says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. You are condemned to die, and yet the man right next to you has said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He has said, I am the bread of life. He has said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And yet here you are dying, and now it's time to decide. Will you continue in your sin, or will you trust that this man is who he says he is? And the first man answers, if he be the son of God, let him come down. Let Christ the king come down that I may see and believe. If he be who he says he is, let him come down and save himself and me from this pain. But until then, I will not repent. And I will not believe. I'm guilty. I've done wrong. Sentenced to death. Condemned to die. And I understand he says, he claims to have the power to forgive sins and to take people to heaven when they die. But I will only believe when he gives evidence. His six-hour decision is made. So we move on. And we go to the middle cross. Sir, you are innocent. And yet you hang condemned to die just as much as the first. The countdown to your death has begun and is reaching zero just as much as his. You are the very son of God. You created the tree on which you hang. You created the men who beat you. You gave them the boldness to be a soldier. You gave them the muscles that drove the nails into your hands and feet. You created the iron that was forged into those nails that bind you, and you say... At, you said at one point, you are one with 
the Father. And now all these people are asking is for you to come down. Come down and they will believe. Come down, prove that you are who you say you are. Give evidence to your, to your power and to your oneness with the Father, and they will believe. So it's time to decide. Will you come down? Will you follow their will? Will you follow their request? Come down, prove you are who you say you are. And the middleman answers, Thinkest thou not that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. But how then will scriptures be fulfilled? The innocent must die for the guilty. Ought not Christ to suffer these things? Don't the books of Moses and all the prophets say that this day had to come in order for man to be forgiven? I will not come down. I will stay on this cross until all of man's sin and every ordinance against man is nailed to this cross as tightly as I am. And if they want proof of my power, I'll give that in three days. But until then, I will not come down. His sixth hour decision is made. So we move on to the third and final man. Sir, give us your attention. You are guilty as the man on the first cross. And you not only share in his guilt, you have also shared in the blasphemous and hateful words that he said and all of these people said. But the man that hangs next to you, the man that is within earshot of you, says, I have the ability to forgive and I have the willingness to forgive and save people from their sin. So it's time to decide. You're condemned to die before sunset. You will be dead. Even if you continue in this agony, it's coming up on the Sabbath day tomorrow. Or, or the, the, feast, the feast day that is coming up, and they will break your legs so that you can no longer take your breath again. By sunset, you will be dead. Will you continue in your sin, or will you trust in this man? And he says, I've heard of Jesus. Heard of the miracles. Heard his teachings. You know, it was when he came to Jerusalem, everyone would leave their houses, and it would make it a lot easier to steal. But now I see him. I've been watching him for two hours and 51 minutes now. And I've never seen such love. Never seen such care. Never seen so much meekness wrapped in strength. Never seen so much life, even in death. Never seen so much authority, even in captivity. And yes, not long ago, I spoke some very hateful words against him and to him. And all he said back was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'd love to believe and I'd love to be forgiven. 
But how could a man like that ever forgive a man like me? And it's just then the first man speaks up again. If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And this actually happened, friend. That third man pushed against that nail and lifted up to take a breath and through gritted teeth of pain said to that first man, Dost not, not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. We are guilty. He is innocent. His sixth our decision was made. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus lifted up his weary head and too pushed against that nail, causing more pain to his body causing that wood to scrape against the open wounds in his back, but he had to speak. Pulled against the dislocated, pulled with the dislocated shoulders against the nails in his body and said, Verily, I say unto you, I will do much more than remember you. Today, Shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today, you, the guilty, will be with me, the king. Today, you, the sinner, will be with me, the savior, just as if you had never sinned one time in your life. Amen. Today, because you believe in me, you will be with me in paradise. Now listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. That third man did no good deeds. I'm about to hurt your religion. I'm about to hurt your pride. He did no good deeds. He was not baptized. He joined no church. He gave no money. He stole it. He did not confess to a priest. He didn't confess anything. He didn't say, Lord, I am a sinner, and I understand that I deserve to go to hell, but I believe that you are dying for He said none of that. Lord, remember me. Lord, remember me. That was enough for Jesus Christ. He did none of it. He partook of no sacraments. That third man was nailed to the cross two hours and 55 minutes ago at the third hour of the day with all of his sins on his account. In five minutes, the six hours is going to be here, and none of them are there anymore. All of his sins are gone, not because he did anything, but because he believed in Jesus Christ, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Two sinners were crucified that day. Two. 
One is in hell. One is in heaven. Both were guilty. Both were just as guilty as the other. Both even shared with the same hate and the same blasphemy and the same unbelief just 15 minutes ago. But at the sixth hour, one decided to reject, one decided to receive. Jesus did not reject the first man and receive the third. Jesus did, his, his hand was just as outstretched to this one as it was to this one. Jesus' sixth hour decision is I will redeem anybody who believes in me, anyone. But the first man's decision at the sixth hour was to reject. And this man's decision was to receive. What is your sixth hour decision? And it's the most crucial one that you will ever make. It will alter your eternity. Will you reject Christ and go to hell? Will you receive Christ and go to heaven? Notice I haven't said nothing. Will you join the church and become a Baptist? Who cares? I'd love for you to be in the church. I'd rather see you in glory. I'd rather see you in paradise. Baptist church isn't always paradise. That's, that's for sure. What's your six-hour decision? Oh, but preacher, I'm a sinner. But one of them's in heaven today. The Savior is only needed for sinners. Oh, but preacher, I've said horrible things about God and to God. So did he. And so did he. And yet one of them is in heaven today because he repented and believed. He made the decision at the sixth hour. Ooh, one minute. Oh, but preacher, I've done so many good deeds. I don't need Jesus. I'm not crucified. I'm not condemned to die. <laughs> You've done good deeds. Okay. That third man did no good deeds. And yet he's in heaven today. Going to heaven must have nothing to do with good deeds. It must have everything to do with Jesus. Oh, but preacher, I joined a church. That, that third man joined no church, and yet he's in heaven today. Going to heaven must have nothing to do with joining a church. It must have everything to do with the man on the middle cross. Oh, but I've given a lot to charity. He gave none to charity, and yet he's in heaven today. Going to heaven must have nothing to do with giving to charity. It must have everything to do with Jesus. Oh, but I've been baptized. <laughs> that man wasn't baptized, and yet he's in heaven today. How do you know? Jesus promised. Going to heaven must have nothing to do with being baptized. It must have everything to do with Jesus. Oh, but I've partaken of the sacraments. He did no sacraments, and yet he's in heaven today. It must have nothing to do with sacraments. It must have everything to do with Jesus. When your sixth hour comes, what will you do? Prove it. Work in my life, and then I'll believe. You know what religion is? Religion is our own way of looking at Jesus and saying, give me proof, but until you do, I'm going to trust in this. Your voice calls out. 
with the revilers that day when you put your trust in, in religion and not Jesus. When your sixth hour comes, you have to admit, I am condemned justly. He is innocent. He must be dying for someone else. I am receiving the due reward of my deeds. But Jesus has done nothing amiss. Lord, remember me. Forgive me. Save me. Preacher, will he hear me? Well, his six-hour decision was to redeem anybody who would call upon his name. So, yeah. Now, for some of you, your six-hour decision came a week ago. I know one of you, I think you're in here, trusted in Jesus last week. I haven't met you yet. I'm looking forward to it. Some of you, your six-hour decision was two, three weeks ago, Miss Caitlin, three weeks ago. Some of you, it was years ago. Some of you, it was months ago. How many of you remember when the sixth hour of your soul came and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You remember that? You remember that? For me, it was, for, now, now, if you cannot say that, if you cannot say that, all the people who just shook your head, their head, were in a position just like you were. But when I was 13 years old, my six-hour decision came. And by the grace of God, it was to receive Christ and not to reject Christ. And when I did that, though I was guilty and though I was condemned, Jesus heard me and he saved me. As many as received, as many, there's still room at the cross. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even unto them that believe on his name. I like this one even better, though. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we, the guilty, that we, the condemned, that we, the sinners, should be called the sons of God. Not because of what you do, but because of what this man did. Now, for some of you, your six-hour decision is right now. If you were to die right now, you do not know for sure that you would be in paradise with Jesus. You do not know, but at this moment, you have a decision to make. Your sixth hour is here. Will you choose the way of the first man? Or will you choose the way of the third? Will you reject? Will you receive? Oh, I'm going to wait. That's what I'm going to do. You are condemned to die. Your life is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You are not promised the seventh hour. And you know what, my friend? Waiting is a form of rejecting. Will you reject or will you receive? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.